Hello and welcome to a very special Halloween episode of So Indif- anyways, uh, um, we are going to be doing <laughs> 1992's uh, Buffy the Vampire Sayer. You didn't like that? <laughs> ah, come on. Aaron, how was your this Thanksgiving? Isn't, uh, it was great. Um, yeah, I would- watch, well, ate some turkey. I actually deep fried a turkey. It was uh, amazing. Mm, delicious. Delicious. How was yours? It was good, man. I went and hung out with the in-laws and had a great time. It was awesome. Sweet. So, Aaron, today we are gearing up for Halloween with what is probably the most entertaining movie we've watched for this podcast so far. <laughs> yeah. Before Sarah Michelle Gellar um, graced us with her depiction of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1997. Yeah. Rewind back to the year 1992. Mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out. Uh, for some reason, it came out on July 31st, 1992. So it wasn't technically a Halloween film. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, man, I could barely, I could barely keep up like with my notes. Like I couldn't <laughs> write fast enough. This movie is so funny to me. It is so yeah. wildly entertaining. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I. I don't want to assume, but I'm not sure actually how many people have actually watched this movie um, or even know that it exists because the TV show um, is usually what people think of when they think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Yeah, definitely. Before we've, like, if you haven't seen this movie, I just want to encourage you to, like, pause this episode and go watch it immediately because it is it is so funny. And yeah. Aaron... The thing that stood out to me so much while watching this is I could see how this was the precursor to so many other movies. Yeah, very true. Let's dive into it. It sits on Rotten Tomatoes at 35%. The audience score was 43%. Um, This movie was made for only $7 million. And uh, the total box office take was $16.6 million. So it doubled its money. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that insane, the amount of money that it took to make this movie and how much it made? And it was probably, what, considered, like, if it doubled its money, it's it's decently successful, right? Yeah, it's crazy how little it uh, money went into this film. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, the cast is, like, ridiculous when you think about that it's only $7 million. Like, I assume that $7 million just went into the cast. Yeah. So, Aaron... What is Buffy the Vampire Slayer about? <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer is basically about my time that I spent in high school. <laughs> Wait, that came out wrong. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, is about uh, a high school girl who obviously is like the popular kid. Uh, you know, the all the girls want to be her and all the guys want to do her kind of thing. Essentially, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, so so she is like the head cheerleader in the school. She is most popular girl dating the most popular guy, and then all of a sudden, um, she realizes she or she becomes aware that she is a like reincarnated vampire slayer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so we got Christy Swanson who plays Buffy. Uh, Don- Donald Sutherland, who's American. <laughs> can I can I say that the cast of this film is so bizarre to me? Oh, it's very bizarre. Um, 
Yeah, sorry. So uh, Donald Sutherland as Merrick, who is the, uh, he's like trained all the versions and reincarnations of every vampire slayer ever. And uh, he kind of like seeks out Buffy and and, uh, I don't know, it was a little bit weird to me because he's just like this creepy old dude who's who like shows up in her like while she's like doing gymnastics shows up in her like <laughs> girls locker room and, and is just like dressed come. like a pervert <laughs> yeah and he's just like come to a graveyard with me and you're like and she's just like what <laughs> like let me get this straight okay you want me to go to the graveyard with you because i'm the chosen one and there are vampires yes does Elvis talk to you? What are you talking about? <laughs> it takes very little convincing for her to go along <laughs> yeah. with everything. Aaron, yeah, well... Did, so did they explain at all in the movie why Merrick is so old? Like, why he's such an ancient dude? They... I don't know. It was weird. They kind of touched on it, but then they, like, focused more on, like, why he wasn't the one, like, killing vampires. Right. And why, yeah. And then they kind of went into like why he couldn't, uh, like why he couldn't intervene and stuff. I don't know. Did did you catch anything? No. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> I was confused. I was like, is he a vampire? Yeah. The, yeah. So he trains her. She, yada, yada. She uh, remembers all her sweet, like vampire slaying skills. And uh, yeah, and like kicks some ass and kills the head vampire. And. Uh, gets the uh, gets the guy in the end, or has like a real love interest who's played by uh, Luke Perry. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Also, uh, yeah, the head vampire uh, Rutger Hauer, who plays Lothos. Rest in peace as well. Um, he yeah. just passed away recently. Um, also, Aaron, this movie has Paul Rubens playing Amelin in it, and Paul Rubens is of course Pee Wee Herman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This movie, this is also uh, Hilary Swank's first acting actor Mm -hmm. role. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Tom Jane and Ben Affleck are both in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, so random. And and Seth Green. (laughs) And David, uh, uh, what is his name? David Arquette. I can never say his last name. David Arquette. Arquette, yeah. Yeah. So, so crazy, man. Yeah, this yeah. movie, this movie is like near and dear to me. I remember, I grew up watching this. Uh, it was one of my sister's favorite movies, and uh, mm-hmm. of course, I thought Christy Swanson was was gorgeous as a kid. So I, <laughs> I watched this every chance I got. My mom and <laughs> my parents quoted this movie. My mom, I'm pretty sure, still quotes this movie. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it was like it like really resonated in our house. We thought it was great. Um, oh, that's awesome. So to kind of set up this movie, this movie was written by Joss Whedon. Um, It's the first movie writing credit that he has, actually. Mm -hmm. Essentially, he sold the movie rights to Dolly Parton's company, uh, Sand Dollar Productions. And essentially, they went ahead and made this really low-budget movie. And allegedly, Joss Whedon was so upset with the direction it was taking that he, like, stormed off set and left production. Yeah. And apparently he really, really hated Donald Sutherland and is quoted as calling him a dick. I couldn't bring myself to say I was making a film called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Yeah. Because Donald Sutherland, like, uh, rewrote a lot of the dialogue on the fly and just kind of did his own Mm -hmm. thing. 
Which is mm-hmm. weird, Aaron, because when you watch this, it doesn't seem like Donald Sutherland had much to work with to begin with. So I don't like <laughs> I don't know. Or is that or is that because he was changing lines? Because like when when I when I was watching it, uh, one of the comments that I read is um, Josh Whedon said that like because he came up with his own dialogue and stuff and would ad lib and do whatever um, that when he was acting, it became very disconnected. And yeah. in the movie, when he talks and stuff, he just, like, says things, and then he, like, has these long pauses and then starts talking again. And it does seem very disconnected. Yeah, I, it was weird. Like, once once I read that, I recognized that. But watching it, I thought he was just, um, it was just, he was trying to do some sort of, like, period actor kind of thing. Like, he was mm-hmm. this ancient being who, that was just the way he talked or something. So, yeah. It's interesting because this movie this movie didn't do well. Um, it didn't yeah. make a lot of money, and it was critically kind of slammed. But mm-hmm. obviously, it meant a lot to Joss Whedon because he'd go on to rebooting it for in 1997, yeah. um, which is one of the most like popular and beloved TV series of like yeah. our generation. It has a huge cult following. Yeah, and there's talk of an, another reboot even as of now. There was a yeah, so they I was reading that they were going to reboot it and they were or I don't know if it was the show or they were going to do a movie, but they didn't have Josh Whedon in it. And uh just from the buzz of trying to do a, like a a restart without Josh Whedon in it, it like created so much fan uproar that they just completely like canceled that one. And yeah, wow. now they now they are like they got Josh Whedon on board and stuff for whatever the reboot is going to be. I'm assuming he didn't even want to touch it at this point, hey. Yeah, but it's such I, a, it's well, such I a wonder. beloved series. So mm-hmm. This is a very interesting movie in the, in the, in the, like, it's, it's not often that a movie will fail, but then like a TV version of it blows up and becomes super successful. So Heron, why, why do you think this movie flopped? Like, why didn't the movie version resonate with people in your opinion? I think that this, uh, movie is just campy. Is that the right word? Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, where it's just, like, so bizarre. And, like, when I was watching this movie, like, I thought I was um, watching something, like, so (laughs) bad, like a B-movie pretty much. Yeah. Um, In some of the (laughs) acting and, like, scenes and, like, the cheesiness that goes on in parts of the movies. And it's just, it doesn't convey to you, like, scary or... um, you're not like really it's not like a thriller or anything like that it's just kind of it's just overall like a more of a goofy movie than anything else where you're just like laughing yeah. at scenes cuz they're just so ridiculous yeah this movie has some of the craziest lines like it practically invents a whole other dialect like uh, yeah. some of the things some of the things i kept writing down random things that people would say and out of context it just sounds so weird like, mm-hmm. at one point in time, Paul Rubin's character says, kill him a lot. Kill him a lot. Um, <laughs> at one point in time, Buffy does something cool, then turns to the camera and says, toaster caked him. And I rewound and rewatched that line like three times to make sure that I wrote down the right thing. Because I was like, what? Yeah. Toaster caked him. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? What's a toaster cake? Yeah. And I was like, the, hey, it's, uh... just this, it's this movie, like... It's so, like, from start to finish, it's so full of this stuff. Like, in this movie, um, blow means, like, to go, 
So yeah. like people will see, come on, let's blow. And you're like, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. Um you, like take a chill lesson. That one's pretty that one's pretty self-explanatory, but like, you know, usually mm-hmm. people just say take a chill pill, but in this movie they say take a chill lesson. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like it's the most confusing movie in that in that regard. And, and of course, the team mascot is a hog, so they're all hog yeah. fans, which is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> like they couldn't come up with a better mascot than that. Oh yeah, and this one, get out of my facial, like that. <laughs> get out of my facial. <laughs> get out of my facial. Like what the heck, oh, man? Yeah. Um, yeah. When I agree with you, this this really felt like a B rate. Like it feels yeah. like it was made for even less than seven million dollars. Like yeah. It was shot in something like five weeks because uh, Luke Perry was working on 90210. So mm-hmm. they had to work around his schedule, which was crazy because you have all these other heavy hitting actors in it, but they, they worked around his schedule. So it was all shot in five weeks. Um, there's a ton of ADR work like all over the place where sometimes mm-hmm. people's mouths are moving and nothing's coming out. And other times <laughs> there's just dialogue and the, and the shot so far away, you can't actually tell who's, if they're actually saying it or not in real time. And mm. <clears throat> there's recycled props. Like I'm pretty sure that John Connor's dirt bike from Terminator two is in this movie at one <laughs> point in time, like that whole like weird fairground scene, I feel like is the set for a different movie. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's like they filmed this in like a prop shed or something. Like it's really weird. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, the corny stuff, man, there, uh, the, the main vampire Lothos plays like, at one point in time, he's playing a violin, and it's an electric <laughs> violin, but for some reason, it's making sound, and, like, yeah, the vampire rules are really unclear, because at one point in time, you're like, oh, okay, you know, you have to invite vampires in for them to be able to gain access yeah. to your place, uh, but then in another scene, you, like, if you're doing, like, a monster movie, especially vampires, <laughs> you have to establish the rules right up front of your universe, um, so the audience knows kind of what to expect. And then when you subvert those rules, that's kind of where the twists of the movie happen. Um, mm-hmm. but in this movie, they kind of just make it up as they go in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like, uh, what Joss Whedon wrote and what this became were mm-hmm. two different things. Um, it strikes me from what I read, Aaron, and from what I researched, there was a ton of studio interference on this film. Okay. Um, cause Joss Whedon, he had a lot of like a lot more of comedic beats in it, which is funny mm-hmm. because when you watch this, I think this is a straight up comedy. But like, um, he had like his token Joss Whedon humor, but there were a lot of like really dark elements to it too. Like, uh, yeah. I think I think uh, the big bad was it Lothos? I think he like in the in the original draft, like he commits suicide and like Buffy burns down the school, or the gym, or something, and it just seemed a lot more intense. Um, which is interesting because the show, the TV series in 1997, is based off of the original script, not off of mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. So it's kind of confusing because if you're watching this movie, it's basically alternate reality Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Whereas yeah. the Sarah Michelle Geller is based on the original script <clears throat> having happened. Mm-hmm. Really weird stuff, man. So... I think it flopped just because people didn't understand the tone of it and what it was trying to do. And yeah, it did, definitely did, didn't did do a good job of conveying it. No, not at all. Um, fun fact here, the music for this, uh, the soundtrack's rad for this film. It's, it's, it's like 
uh, unreal. Um, but the music was done by Carter uh, Burwell, who did Twilight. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Maybe like vampires are his specialty. I was like thinking that movies. too. Yeah. Even though like basically every time the vampires show up, he just holds down like a, it's like a, a Korg wave station sample that he just plays and it just like loops the entire time. It's like that like. Yeah. Aaron, I feel like if it wasn't for this movie, um, shows like Mean Girls and even some Stranger Things elements, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the l- latest season of Stranger Things, um, I feel like if it wasn't for this movie, a lot of that stuff um, wouldn't turn out the way it did. Yeah. So was this, uh, I can't remember correctly, because like obviously going back to this time when this movie came out, I was three years old. Um, but like, was this the first of its kind where it was kind of like the high school campy, like cheesy kind of uh, show, like movie? I think so. Like there was no shortage of like B movie slasher flicks and stuff like that coming Wait, out of the eighties. Where did where does Clueless like the Clueless movie fall? You know, Clueless. That's what I would be. Let's see here. So Clueless came out in nineteen ninety five. So it actually okay, came out. Okay, so post this movie and that's kind of a, a rom-com i think in terms of yeah the tone. well i would mm-hmm. imagine that they probably pulled elements from this as well because it's kind of like the same popular girl kind of ditzy whatever you know yeah it's so interesting when you watch a movie like this and you see the the, the profound effect it had on pop culture mm-hmm um, because when I was describing this movie to, to my wife, cause I was like, you, you got to watch this one. You're going to love this one. Um, I was mm-hmm. like, it's, it's mean girls, but with vampires. And then yeah. when we sat down to watch it, she was like, I get, yeah, like it totally is. It really, really <laughs> is. Like you have the Valley girl element. You have the popular girls who are super catty, you know, the, yeah. the, the uh, Hillary Swank's character, you know, the, like cops the her bitchy jacket girl. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's all that dynamic happening, but it just so happens that Buffy's getting into this, this vampire path. Uh, the, the the boyfriend who is like only with you because you're popular, and then you find like the real boyfriend in the end. Kind yeah, of. exactly. This this yeah. movie, I feel like this movie is wildly accessible, especially from a, like a 2019 audience. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the concept of like so bad it's good, and I kind of feel like that applies to this movie. Yes, one hundred percent. So entertaining, like. Obviously, it's not what Joss Whedon wanted, but honestly, man, like this movie is so freaking entertaining to me. Yeah, and it, it, this is kind of where it's bad because it's like not in not entertaining in the sense that they like where they wanted it to be entertaining. Um, it's all like it's it's all the bad stuff that goes on in this movie that just for some reason it kind of works and it just because yeah exactly what you said it's, it's just so much bad stuff that it like makes it entertaining. Yeah, it's so cheesy. Like every time someone floats down on a wire or uh, you know, bursts out, it's it's just like the effects are so quaint and so terrible and everyone's just hamming it up. I think I think right out of the gate, Aaron, um I really want to defend um Christy Swanson because mm-hmm. uh, her her performance as Buffy, I think, is just so great. Like she mm-hmm. completely nails the Valley Girl side of things. But then when it comes time to kick ass, 
she does all that and it's awesome. I'm pretty sure she had like four different stunt people that were probably doing all the tumbling and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Because every time she goes to do a backflip or something, they like do a wide shot and then they cut it in again when she's like, you know. So there's a lot of that kind of like uh, corny trickery and stuff. But, you yeah. know, like like I I really enjoy her transformation from like Valley Girl with really low priorities to... Um, you know, she goes from basically being concerned about cheer practice to like saving her city from a vampire invasion. Yeah. While uh, I was reading reviews of the uh, of the <laughs> movie here, a lot of yeah. people were saying like the bright spot was uh, Chrissy Swanson's like acting in this movie. That yeah. uh, she she was like the only good part of it. Oh, I disagree. Yeah, there's. I honestly, I I loved everyone's acting in this. I, yeah. Just the just the idea of a pervy Donald Sutherland like sulking around the gym. <laughs> and one night right. he came back. Um, you know, he we had shot this scene. Actually, it was that scene where I rolled forward and threw the the stake. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene right in there that they had already shot his side of it, like his coverage of it, and they weren't going to get to my coverage until the wee hours of the morning, like three o'clock in the morning or something. He said, I will come back and I will be there for you to do those off-camera lines. And I that's, said, no, 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 it's cool. okay. I'll be all right. He showed up in the middle oh. of the night. He had gone out to dinner. He came back. You know, like he, he was right. just there for me. And, that's and I, so he great. Goes, it makes a difference. He goes, I don't want you to be, you know, doing with the script supervisor. Right. I need to be there for you. I was like, wow, you're so cool. For one, like who let him in there? For two, yeah. how did he get past security and all the cameras? Why is no one asking this weird dude in a trench coat? Like for three, why is he even dressed that way? <laughs> like 1992 he, was a very different time. I think so. Like you think that he would have the wisdom to like, you know, maybe shave and put on a suit and tie, maybe meet her at a coffee shop instead of like in the girls' <laughs> locker room. I don't like thinking of Buffy as a vampire movie, but vampirism is the context of this comedy. We wanted to make our own rules for the vampires. Do they fly? Do they walk? Do they have fangs? Do they not have fangs? Where did they come from? Just a segue, one of my notes here. At one point in time, I think it's uh, Pike throws alcohol into one of the faces of the vampires and it seemed to like burn him almost like acid. So, oh, weird. Yeah, that's what I meant by like confusing rules because I wasn't sure if that's like, if, yeah, because usually only holy water burns vampires. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know what speaking. else was weird? What's um, why, why did they like bust out of the grave? I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Why did they bust out of the grave? Yeah, because it's like that's not a common vampire thing. It's like a zombie thing to bust out of the grave, isn't it? Um, so it it does some. There's uh, different iterations. I think in like the sort of the prime like Dracula style vampires. Um, okay. They usually stay dead for anywhere from three days to kind of do like the 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 Christian parallel, or it's like mm-hmm. a matter of hours depending on like what movie you're watching, but. Mm. Usually, I, I think in this movie, I don't know, because like in real life, it takes a couple days to organize a funeral and get someone buried. So mm-hmm. you would think that they were doing the three-day thing and then they rise up out of the ground. But they have like superhuman strength to bust out of their casket <laughs> in the ground and everything yeah. else. So it's almost as if they were buried without actually being buried in uh, coffins, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess in Hollywood they just put people in the ground. They don't actually put them in <laughs> coffins. <laughs> um, but yeah, very good question. I really don't have an answer for that. I, I yeah. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, if you're going to bury vampires, I mean, you have to give them superhuman strength to move like six feet of solid earth plus the door of their mm-hmm. coffin. Um, and the more I think of that, the weirder it gets. Because, yeah, you do see that a lot in zombie movies. But zombies aren't yeah. going to have super strength. Yeah. Oh, so confusing. I, <laughs> I really I really like the part when they're coming up for, like, um, themes for the school dance. And yeah. the one one of the like cheerleaders or girls in the group or whatever says like don't tread on me and uh, <laughs> yeah. Buffy's like wait what do you mean like you have to tread on the earth oh yeah she says like don't <laughs> yeah. like oh how does it going uh, anyways she says something along those lines and I I thought that and she's like oh yeah like I guess I guess we have to tread on the earth <laughs> have to like, tread on the earth yeah. Also, another first. I feel like this movie's full of firsts, and I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the first on-screen depiction of a vampire DJ. <laughs> mm. um, how many times have you seen this pop up in like a B-rated movie where like uh, a musician or a DJ will be playing on the stage, and then like the monsters bust in, and then at some point in time, the monsters like swap out the musicians and they do the performing. And I was like, man, that's such a that's such an underrated <laughs> hallmark of these kind of movies, uh... like. Where the DJ is playing, and then oh, he gets taken out, and then a vampire comes in, and then just decides to keep DJing. <laughs> All I can think of is that uh, Zoolander scene where they're like they're going to kill the Malaysian prime minister, and it keeps like switching back <laughs> between music. Yeah, and Owen Wilson is fighting the DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this movie is chock full of weird stuff, man. It's yeah, so hard I- to keep up with. Like if har- you if you go and watch this movie, like you you will not be disappointed. Especially waiting this long, like how many years later, and mm-hmm. watching this movie, it's just you're gonna you're gonna have a good time watching it. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about about Buffy because there she has a mm-hmm. very interesting character trait that um, I remembered so much differently than it actually was when I was a kid. I didn't know what cramps or PMS was per se. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And so, um, and then as I, as I watched it later on, I think I just thought that during the, the movie that her character just happened to, to be on her period. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't remember another movie where like the main character is actively dealing with like menstruation during the plot of mm-hmm. the film. But then yeah. as an adult rewatching this, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's her spidey sense. Yeah. She gets menstrual cramps when vampires are near. Yeah, and it also it's supposed to like lure them in as well, and because of oh, yeah. like the blood or whatever. Now, Aaron, do you, someone probably knows, but is that in the TV series or is that isolated to this oh. movie? I feel like that would not translate to the show, but I I'm not like a big enough uh, like I didn't watch the show enough, so I couldn't tell you. The weird thing is, though, is like of all the strange stuff that happens in this movie, that seems to be the thing that was handled the most tastefully. It's so strange, like because when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous and maybe even yeah. a little bit offensive. But then when you watch yeah. the film, you're like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting. And like uh, Chrissy like Swanson, fit. yeah, she doesn't overplay it. It's very like subtle. Um, the first yeah. couple times it happens, you don't even really clue in to like it being connected. And I was just like. That's actually kind of interesting to me. That's like it's mm-hmm. like uh it's like Sting from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was, I was like I was really fascinated by that because it's such a weird choice, and I yeah. don't know. 
I don't know if that was Joss Whedon or if that was the studio or if, you know, I have no idea where that idea came I, from. I wonder. It was so weird when she, like, uh, jumps in to, like, kiss her boyfriend while he's in the car. Yeah. And uh, her, his, his friend is like, can I borrow her? And he's just, like, yeah. pretending to, like, feel her butt and stuff. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, what is going on here? Yeah, it's so weird, man. You know what's weird is, like, uh, Pike... Uh, just mm-hmm. <laughs> Pike is dressed like the deckhand of a pirate ship in this film. Yeah, he is. And then Benny, I swear to God, Benny is wearing the costume from Terminator 1. Like, he's wearing Arnold's, like, Terminator 1 costume for most of the film. <laughs> yeah. So and this, this movie also has, like, completely out-of-control sound effects. Like, every flip and every punch and every, like, sound effect is just so loud and uh, cheesy so much i absolutely love when movies do that it's so funny it It just it adds so much more yeah i was like watching a 70s kung fu film where every like punch is like just so (laughs) exaggerated and every flip sounds like uh uh, it just like an airplane going over your head or something it's so crazy yeah hi hi you know what um, about this movie, though, is, like, they didn't, they even though they have, like, the big bad vampire um, at the end there, yeah. they kind of more focused it on, uh, on, like, Buffy and her, like, you know, growing, essentially, or being stretched as a character. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool because, like, we got to see her go through all her, like, issues and things that were... Um, that were going on in like high school and how she has to like navigate social circles, um, how she has to deal with like breakups, heartaches, and then all while maintaining uh, like, like vampire slayer status. Right. Right. And so, so, so to me, it was, it was, it was awesome that you got to watch a movie where you got to see this character develop and um, the main villain didn't overshadow it like too much. And it was just kind of given its own like little segment towards the end. Yeah, exactly. It's a classic hero's journey, like beat for beat, mm-hmm. like yeah. from start to finish. It's it's in that sense, it's formulaic, but at the same time, it's, it's so easy to be on board with her and her journey because at first, like the very first scene, you don't really like her and you're kind of like, Oh, she's kind of like an airhead and she's kind of like, yeah, uh, she's a bit, she's a bit abrasive and mean, but by the end of the film, like you really want her to succeed, and that's 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 so cool to me because um, it's such a short movie, and they're able mm-hmm. to pack that into it, you know. Yeah, and even with Pike's character too, in the beginning, he's just like a complete skid, uh, just like good for nothing. Sneaks into the theater, is like wasted <laughs> walking around. Like they, they at one point they walk into what a restaurant and only have enough money to buy a hot dog, and one yeah. of them eats a hot dog, and the <laughs> other one eats the bu- the bun, and you're just like, who is this like loser? Yeah, yeah, they're just these the couple of total like low life like junk or what are they? What would you call them? Like skids who are just like skids, <laughs> literally skids. Yeah, just throwing their change down. Oh, it's so yeah. funny. Um, and then I don't know what <laughs> what happened. Um, 
when he's like holding the hot dog and he's like, she ruined my wiener. I laugh. Yeah. yeah. She part. stands up with a butter knife and then off camera you hear like, whoosh, 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 yeah. whoosh. And it's just like, it's not even like ruined. It's just like split down the middle. Yeah. There's like six whooshes for like a clean cut down the middle. Yeah. That, yeah. that hot dog was perfectly edible even after those cuts. You know, this movie also does a subversion thing where usually in movies like this, it'll be like the uh, the quote-unquote ugly duckling thing where, like, the girl takes off her glasses and suddenly she's beautiful. You know, lets yeah. down her hair like the, what is it, like the she's all that kind of transformation. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. in this film, uh, Pike does that where he goes from, like, total skid, <laughs> but then he, like, shaves off his goatee, slicks his hair back, and is a total stud all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like... Puts on a leather... Ja- oh. Oh, wait, no, he had a leather jacket on from the beginning. Yeah, he had the leather jacket, but he just, like, it's so funny, like, seeing the guy do the quote-unquote ugly duckling maneuver. And I was yeah. like, man, this is so fun. Like, We need like, to see that more. <laughs> when does that happen? Yeah. That needs to be a more common theme in, like, uh, in more current movies where the guy plays the ugly duckling role. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, this this movie has some really fun character growth. Um, oh shoot! And the principal, what? Who is he played by? All I know is Milton oh, from uh, Office Space. But what's his real name? Stephen Root. Yeah, Stephen Root. What a what a what a strange role for him to be in. Like he's yeah. been in a lot. Oh yeah, he of was movies. in Dodgeball too. <laughs> yeah, he's like in a ton of stuff. Yeah, he has like almost two hundred and fifty acting credits. That guy. He's been in yeah. just about everything. And I'm I'm pretty sure doesn't he say that he went to a Doobie Brothers concert in the '60s or something like that? Yeah, he does say that. Um, but, and apparently, the Doobie Brothers weren't out at that time or something like that. There's some yeah. continuity error there. Yeah, but he's trying so hard to relate to Buffy while she's sitting there because he thinks that she's on drugs and she's kind of acting like she's on drugs. <laughs> and then yeah. she like spits a thumbtack at a fly and like pins it to the wall. <laughs> yeah, that was so badass. You know what? I I was totally on board with her transformation because like she has these inherited uh, vampire slaying abilities, right? Mm-hmm. But what's yeah. neat is uh, before she even knows this, she has already gravitated towards uh, like an active sort of role where she's like the head cheer head of the cheerleading group, and you know mm-hmm. is coordinating all these dances, and there's all that physicality. And I thought that was cool that before she even realizes that she has to take on this moniker and do this dope training montage, that like she's already in a position where she's kind of capitalizing on those inherent abilities. And I was like, that's actually a really cool kind of a smart writing thing, you know? Like she's not like. Yeah. Uh, it's not like a Neo thing where he goes from sitting at a desk all day to like doing Kung Fu. It was more like, no, she's actually already tumbling and she's already fit and she's already like practicing yeah. on her own, staying obviously later after class. Like she was the only person in that gymnasium once everybody else left. So she's like mm-hmm. putting in the extra hours to really be in shape and do all the stuff she's got to do. And and I thought that was a really cool character thing. It's really subtle. Mm-hmm. They don't really hit you over the head with it. Yeah, and then Merrick as well uh, even goes on saying that she she is the most gifted one out of all the vampire slayers that uh, that he has seen. And even later on in the movie, they make it so that uh, he actually intervenes and like uh, I guess tries to go after a vampire or whatever. But it, it results in him being killed, I believe. And yeah. 
Yeah, and so like, which he normally never gets involved with any of the vampire slayers. So I think we're supposed to take that and be like, holy smokes, like Buffy is a like head and shoulders above like everyone else. Which is kind of confusing to me as well, because when they do one of the flashbacks, like Christy Swanson is playing one of the earlier iterations of the bu- the vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I, I was confused by that because I wasn't sure if it was straight up reincarnation or just like a moniker that's being passed down. Yeah, well, I think that's probably uh, what uh, Josh Whedon was getting so upset about because he was trying to create like um, like a rich culture and like history and stuff, and yeah. he was trying to make like every character like lovable and um, well, not lovable, but you know what I mean. Like, try to actually do some character development and have continuity towards it, and mm. then obviously, like, there wasn't a whole ton of that in this movie. Right, man. So crazy. Um, do you do you have a WTF moment for this film? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like uh, maybe that scene with the which is that one vampire where he's just like dying and constantly being like <laughs> yelling out like. <laughs> My wife literally was like, "What? No." No, he's not doing that. Really? No. And he just keeps... Yeah. It's like the longest death scene. And then, Aaron, in the post-credits, there's more of it, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I caught that. <laughs> and it's it's Pee Wee Herman playing a vampire, man. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Which also looks like, uh, like a coked-out... Uh, Nicholas Cage vampire <laughs> at the yeah. same time. Oh yeah. yeah, he's so like his hair's all frizzy. He's got this weirdo like semi-sexual bravado to him. He's missing yeah. an arm for half the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that yeah, dev- that scene was so weird because the same thing for me. I was like, is he doing it? Like, is he hamming it up? And I was like, no, no, he's not. He's just dying. And then he just kept going, and you're like, oh no, he is. He's just kicking the wall. And meanwhile, Rucker Howard is just playing this like electric violin with his gloves on that's somehow making sound. (laughs) Oh man, what a beautiful scene. That's that's definitely that in my mind, that scene is the epitome of like uh, the hallmark of so bad it's good because everything's sincere and yet everything is just so ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, was that, do you have a WTF moment or was that kind of yours? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I have one. Um, so Pike pulls up along Buffy on a, on a, on a motorcycle and they have this argument and then, um, Buffy storms off and then Pike says this line where he says, I'm not disappointed, just angry. And then he (laughs) he kicks over his, his motorcycle but it's so obvious that he didn't start the motorcycle in that shot because like the yeah. headlamp doesn't come on or anything. So they they do a they do a sound effect of a motorcycle kicking over, but then yeah. in the, they cut away to the next shot where the bike is running, the headlamp's on and the motorcycle sound changes because now it's actually on. He turns around the motorcycle. They've moved the distance like away from how far away away he was from the photo booth cuz he wouldn't have been able to turn it around mm-hmm. from from the last shot. And then <laughs> when he drives off Benny steps out of the phone, like the photo booth, as if he'd been hiding in there for like hours. And he's just like, Buffy? Yeah. Okay. Like the the whole series of events, I was like, oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. It was so sad because he's acting like all like pissed off and like, I'm just angry. And he kicks over yeah. the bike. But Aaron, like, it is so obvious that he didn't actually like get it started. <laughs> oh man. I, I urge everyone to rewatch that scene. That edit is so funny. It's so, so yeah. funny. And this movie's full of that, hey, like sound effects and, and yeah. just just begging scraping and borrowing their way to an hour and a half long movie <laughs> i love um some of the scenes with like buffy's stunt devil stunt double where you can just like completely tell that that's not her and it's like some tall skinny dude like running around yeah totally the the cut the, the editing in this film is probably probably one of the most entertaining things about it mm-hmm. also as another WTF thing, Aaron, I can't figure this out. At the very, very end of the movie, when Buffy and Pike ride off into the sunset, the very first credit in this movie, like before anything else, it says Candy Clark as Buffy's mom. <laughs> like before anything, before the cast, before the credits, like what? What's so special oh. about Candy Clark? Oh, you don't know what's special about Candy Clark? No. Everybody knows. Come on, man. <laughs> Why don't you tell me, Aaron? I don't know. I just did she finance no the movie or something? It was she was, was really... literally in the movie for what, like a total of five seconds, and says like she's like plays uh, plays Buffy's mom and just like says, "Okay, honey, we're leaving now," and like leaves the house, and she's never yeah. in the movie again. And she she says this line that I'm pretty sure my mom still quotes to this day where she says, kiss noise, instead of actually making a kiss noise. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I forgot that this was in this movie. But yeah, it was it was really, really weird. It'd be like the equivalent of like, uh, you know, like name any other movie. And then the first credits just like, you know, the, the person with two lines is so strange. Yeah. The other thing I was trying to figure out is, you know, usually when you have a movie about vampires or a little spooky, you know, because it, it, it's not set at Halloween per se, but obviously it feels like a total Halloween movie. Um, mm -hmm. This movie came out in like the middle of summer, like July 31st. Yeah. That's also very confusing to me. Um, I feel like this movie would have done a lot better as a Halloween release than a... Uh, yes, in like October, yeah. Yeah, this is not a summer blockbuster movie. This is like... No, uh, no, you no. Know what I mean? It's so weird. Well, I'm sure they had high hopes for this movie that it would be a summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they didn't realize... They probably thought this was like one of the best movies they've ever made and then it just flopped hard. What's kind of crazy is in, in, in later in 1992, in November, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Did I say that right? Bram Stoker's Dracula came out. Um, so this was definitely a, a a year where like vampires were kind of back in the mm. the popular uh, in pop culture. Um, but this year you had movies like Aladdin came out, uh, Wayne's World, The Bodyguard, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. Um, well, I was gonna say you remember the, the movie that uh, that just came out, that Ready or Not movie. I believe that's yeah. what it's called. Um, so like in the scene, she's kind of has that ripped up wedding dress and then she puts like the sneakers on and stuff. Yeah. I feel like that is a throwback to this movie at the end when she's in her prom dress and in like shoes fighting vampires and stuff. Oh, oh man. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I hope so. That'd be so sweet if that was, uh, mm -hmm. a throwback. Okay. I, like who knows, who knows if it was a throwback, but it might've been inspired. That's a weird, weird mix of stuff that came out that year, man. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, in like young or not younger years, uh, like earlier years, um, I find that there was like it was kind of like a motley crew of movies that would always come out. And yeah. now as we like current times, it seems to be like things are more structured, like they know what's going to success succeed in like July kind of thing like they got. And so mm. you don't you get you we're kind of getting away from that anyways. Yeah, way more way more structured, hey. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Like besides the performances, I, I definitely want to defend uh, like the nine the nineties aesthetic, the the music. Yeah. Um, you know, I know humor is subjective, and that to call a movie fun is it sounds like such a cop out. And you know, I I I just I really want to defend Joss Whedon for mm-hmm. um for for knowing that he had something because this yeah. is his first like movie credit, right? And yeah. This guy would go on to like write and direct the Avengers movie, which was a mm-hmm. huge blockbuster at the time. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like this is obviously his baby. He wanted this movie to succeed. Um, it got kind of, you know, that old adage, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. He, the, the TV show was a smash success. And it's just really cool to me that he, he, you know, the bones of the story are there, but then he was able to go back and do it the way he really wanted. Mm-hmm. So I want to defend Joss Whedon for this movie, and um, yeah, like I said, like I find this movie so entertaining. Like from the opening shot, yeah. you have like this dope '90s dance song. People are holding up signs that say "Hog Power." There's a, <laughs> a dance montage, and it just oh, doesn't. Dance. Training montage. Yeah. Oh, we don't have enough montages in movies like these days. No. And this is a good one. This is a real good one. Honestly, from start to finish, this movie is pure entertainment. It is It is just, uh, it doesn't waste a frame. You know, it's a breakneck movie. Um, if you stop to think about anything that's happening, you'll probably just laugh yourself into oblivion. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. Like for, I, I feel like uh, this movie holds up pretty well as like a so bad it's good kind of movie. Yeah, and and I always say like what one of the most basic thing of watching any movie um, is you have to ask yourself was I entertained? And if you ask yourself watching this movie, there's like there is no way you can say you're not entertained. Like, but that's also going into this my into this movie with the mindset that you know it is bad. Like you're not going into it to like um, that you're you know expecting it to be like a awesome like really good movie but just knowing that it's a bad movie going into it like so entertaining totally yeah the the dialogue the the pacing the the mm-hmm. cast the cast is unbelievable by 2019 standards you can barely keep up with all the people that are in it and you're like oh man that's this person's first movie that's this person's first movie look at this like yeah it's just it's it's relentlessly entertaining and you recognize props from other movies you'll you'll recognize costumes from other movies there's it's just for seven million dollars man this movie cooks and it's so funny like it's really really a funny film yeah was this uh ben affleck's first movie as well no, it's not. But um, no, hey, no, it's not. I, I, I was hoping it was, but no. He's uh, he had a few other bit parts before that. Okay, because like it's such a small part that he's in. He's just like the opposing team, like basketball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a basketball player. Yeah. Well, should we uh, bring this train into the station, Dan? 
Yeah, but I promised in our jury duty episode that I was going to make an embarrassing admission about this film. So <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, when I was a kid back in 1992, how old was I? Like six, six? years old. Six years old. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I, I, obviously, I had a huge crush, crush on Christy Swanson after watching this. And in my childhood brain logic, I thought, um, I wonder if I could find her in the phone book <laughs> and call her. <laughs> Yeah. Now, okay. I, I I was born and raised in Prince George, British Columbia, at the time a town of like eighty thousand people in northern BC. <laughs> so you, you can see the the error in my logic here. But sure enough, I uh, I found a Christy Swanson in the phone book. <laughs> Secretly uh, one night, I I called it up, and then of course some like middle aged lady answers the phone, like some forty year old woman answers the phone, <laughs> and, and like she's just like hello, and I I got so scared, and all she would have heard is like some heavy breathing, and then I just hung up and was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh man, what if that was her? Well maybe I don't know she might live there. <laughs> she's probably like Donald, is this you? <laughs> You're one of those skanky old men that, like, attacks little girls and stuff, right? Well, forget you. Say, is this you? These jokes aren't funny anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to invite you in, Donald. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, too funny. Anyway, that's kind of embarrassing, but I wanted to share that because, you know, phone books don't really exist anymore, but when you're a kid, man, your world's small. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, um, first off, how would you recommend this movie? Um, So, like I said, uh, just anyone who's kind of into vampire movies um, doesn't mind watching, like, is into that kind of, like, cheesy B-movie scenes and likes purposely watching (laughs) bad movies, then this movie is for you because, like, you're going to have a good time watching it. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, um, this movie is actually... Uh, doing a second run kind of thing in cinemas like right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So, so if you want to see this on the big screen, like I would encourage you to take the opportunity to while you can because that would just be <laughs> would just be so fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, I recommend this to anybody who's a fan of the TV series and wants to see an alternate take on it. Um, if you're a fan of uh, Stranger Things, uh, especially season three, that aesthetic and that kind of vibe, mm-hmm. definitely check this out. Um, and if you're a fan of So Bad It's Good movies, um, this one, if it's not on your radar, then you have to watch it because mm-hmm. um, it's right up there, man. It is so wildly entertaining. Just for the cast alone, like you have you have Paul Rubens acting opposite Donald Sutherland, and if you don't, mm-hmm. like, you got to know how that looks. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, this is like '90s nostalgia to the max. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. Um, okay, um, so if you had to give it a rating, uh, what would you give it? So it's not a super competent film, but um, yeah. I mean, we're stretching seven million dollars here to the max. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say sixty-five percent. Kind of what is that? Like a C, a C minus, C plus kind of thing. C somewhere in yeah. there. Because okay. it is wildly entertaining, but it's not super competent, and the the editing and ADR and sound effects are just like, just yeah, just in their <laughs> they're just at a different skill level than everything else. So yeah, that's about yeah. where I'm at. I think. How about you? Okay. Um. So I kind of have a fun rating for this one. Um. I would rate this 
70 gravity defying yabos out of 69. <laughs> <laughs> that is the rating I give this movie. Oh my god. What's your damage, Aaron? <laughs> do you do you know what do you know what scene I'm talking about when it's uh, Pike yeah. and who's the other guy and he's like those gravity defying yabos <laughs> yeah. it's like what so is that weird. i have no idea <laughs> oh man it made me laugh so hard then they cut away and you just you just see like dangling from a wire <laughs> Benny. yeah oh my god oh, oh my man gosh. and then donald sutherland shows up and he's like this is no place to sleep and he just picks <laughs> him up and puts him in his car it's so he weird doesn't seem to care like what just happened to benny just picks no. him up yeah yeah, just, yeah. this is no place to sleep oh man <laughs> you know we we probably missed an opportunity here to to talk like valley girls for this entire episode but i'm pretty sure people yeah just shut it off after <laughs> after 10 minutes or so yeah. yeah, man. What a joy. What an absolute joy. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to rewatching this film. And I feel like uh, uh, th- this is the epitome of like campy Halloween style movies. So mm-hmm. go hogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hog wild for Buffy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hogs on hogs with uh, hog helmets for the hogs. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes it's a lot of fun to go back and watch movies like this because you see that connective tissue. Um, oh, a lot of the yeah. times, these movies, movies like this with smaller budgets that don't do super well, I think it's important to watch them because you might be surprised how much of the elements of them get uh, not plagiarized per se, but kind of just like copped for bigger movies that you might have already seen. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to go back and watch this one in particular because there's just so much connective tissue to, to, mm-hmm. to so many other movies that came out nearly immediately after this even. So, yeah, man. That's Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer from 1992. Mm-hmm. Make sure you guys check it out. You won't be disappointed. So, Aaron, do you know what you're going to be for Halloween? Uh, I have a Pikachu onesie that I'm thinking of wearing because I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of lazy and just want to wander around in a onesie. Uh, how about yourself? <laughs> My wife and I were talking about being Buffy and Pike. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <clears throat> We've been teasing doing a Mulder and Scully thing for like years now, but I'm not sure. It yeah, seems to, I, it's got to be something that people will kind of know. Um, or we could do Buffy and uh, Merrick. <laughs> I could just walk around looking like a a, a flasher. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, happy Halloween to all of our listeners. Yes. And uh, hope you finish October strong and that you're enjoying mm-hmm. the fall season. And uh, yeah, looking forward to Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. all the great stuff we have coming up. And double check your candy and double check your kids' candy. Yeah, be safe out there. Be safe out there. Be world. safe. Wear Be reflective safe. bands when crossing the street in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There might the... be a vampire out there. You don't know. <laughs> What's it so funny? Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you later. Yes. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to a very special Halloween episode of In Defense of a Movie Podcast. On this episode, we will be discussing 
Vampires in 1992. I don't know when to interrupt you, and I just kind of wanted to let you go with it. Uh, Okay, sorry. Uh, Let's try that again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I just had fun with it because, yeah, you were just going. Um, Sorry, 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 sorry. That's okay. Uh, that outtake is probably going to end up at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's try okay. it again. So that's what okay. I'm going to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. At any given point in time, just jump in. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. Okay. I got it. <laughs>